0: down to the last comic shop in 5 4, 3, 2 1 Hey, it is now time for more of the last comic shop
1: That's right We are opening the shop to newbies Very quietly though, because you never know when the parallax view will come in and we're keeping the
2: lights on for the oldies that know the passcode. That's up right. Up, down. Up, down. Left, right. Left, right. B-A-B-A select. Start. <laughs>
0: I wish I could get 30 lives. That would be awesome. <laughs> that's all I would need. I don't, I don't need immortality. Just give me 30 lives. Miss that jump a couple times. <laughs> and then just pop back up where I was before. Perfectly fine. I'm the host with the most, Danny Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott for our second show of our third season. That's right. Hey, the last comic shop has been around for a while. And again, like we always do, we're going to be bringing you a comic book that you can check out at your local comic book shop today. And uh, similar to a past show that we did uh, when it comes to our weekly polls... This is a throwback to one of those weekly polls in which we asked our last comic shop listeners what book they would want us to read. And, uh, J.A., since you're the poll master extraordinaire, what book did our fans tell us
1: that we had to read? The Department of Truth by James Tinian IV and Martin Simmons.
2: Despite my claiming I'm not a James Tinian guy. The fans are all about making me read a James Tinian book. <laughs> thanks, the fans. Yeah, thanks,
0: the fans. Thank you for voting in that poll. I think it beat out some other books that we could have covered, such as Chew, such as Cerebus, such as Fables, to say that they wanted to hear another James Tinian fourth book on our podcast. We should give the fans what they want. And again, I think it goes along with some of the other books that we've got picked out for this month of January. Some former writers or artists that we've enjoyed. I mean, last week you got Tom King and Mitch Jarrod's uh, Mr. Miracle. I know we've got Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips' book coming on later in this month. And so, like, yeah. I know that James the IV won the Eisner for Best Writer I- here in 2022, and uh, it was for a variety of his works. Including books we've covered previously such as Something is Killing the Children as well as uh, uh, House of Slaughter and Nice House on the Lake and, and of course this Department of Truth book. But to start off our show, given that the Department of Truth is all about conspiracies and Three Days of the Condor and all that other jazz, uh, we're uh-huh. going to be talking about comic book conspiracies and our resident
1: um historian or conspiratorian researcher? conspiratorian, conspiratorian. I was say, paranoid
2: tinfoil hat wearer right the guy that read uh,
0: walking dead and immediately ran out and bought all of the canned goods he could find chad smith freezer yeah. ones your freezer loses
2: power and then you're out of beans but you got them <laughs> in cans you got beans forever buddy beans forever <laughs> Beans! I love beans. So anyway, if you are a comic book conspiracy fan, which uh we'll touch on the Department of Truth later on, like another place you can go to learn about some super awesome things behind the scenes of comic books. Is an article on CBR that Brian Cronin, who has been writing for years, is published. It's called Comic Book Legends Revealed. And he actually has a couple of books out there. It's Was Superman a Spy by Brian Cronin? Or Why Does Batman Carry Shark Repellent? I encourage everybody, if you uh, are interested to check out those books, definitely check out the column. But each week he'll, he'll pick a couple of different ideas and say basically whether they are true or not. And so, one of the biggest comic book conspiracies involves everybody's favorite, Batman. And the, the creator of Batman, Bob Kane, who worked on the book well into the 60s, is famous for not actually doing most of the work for that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like what? Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson and a bunch of other folk. He just signed his name on stuff, right? Right, to the point where for the longest time, DC would put in the front of the books, you know, Batman created by Bob Kane. Now they'll add notes about Bill Finger and Jerry Robinson and their contributions that they basically did working as ghosts of a sort under Bob Kane, where Bob Kane would sign his name to it, but they were the ones actually creating the things. But there was a point, this is a a topic of a recent comic book legend revealed, where even DC didn't know who was doing Batman anymore. They knew, they were paying Bob Kane, and Bob Kane apparently had arranged some kind of sweetheart deal where he was getting a page rate well above and beyond uh, what your average artist was going to get for doing a page of of comic books at the time. But uh, part of the deal was as well, in order for in exchange for bob Kane not suing dc for rights to batman or having similar legal troubles like they had with uh superman with siegel and schuster in exchange for that dc agreed that they would buy any work that bob Kane produced for the batman series wow yeah at a rate that was like i said heads and tails above what anybody else was getting at the time uh, so the problem came where for a long time he was producing you know uh, 12 stories a year but then eventually Bob Kane hired a, a, a better ghost, a better fill-in artist <laughs> to, to work underneath him. And he started pumping out 20 stories a year. And so DC editorial like started to try and dig and like try to find out who's actually doing this work. And they tracked the guy down that was providing the work for it. And his name, I will tell you now, it was <laughs> Lou Sayers Schwartz. They tracked down Lou Schwartz. And they were like, are you ghosting for Bob Kane? And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the 20% cut that Bob Kane was giving him from his sweetheart deal was well above what Schwartz would have gotten from DC proper. Oh, jeez wow so like it was like hush money under the table
0: it was just like hey hey, hey just keep drawing this batman for me it's it's fine What well, i mean i, I i'm interested what you know on this the great thing about comic book legends revealed is like he he does include pictures and things was uh, lou schwartz's a uh, batman different from some of the other artwork that he was that was getting or did it all kind of
2: look the same well that's a great uh, question to ask it turns out Bob Kane was drawing the Batman figures for the stories for some time. And so <laughs> that part of it was still Bob Kane, whereas the rest of it was Lou Schwartz. And then by the time, the, the next ghost artist uh, was uh, Sheldon Moldoff, and whenever he took over as Bob Kane, he was doing the figures and everything. But yeah, you could you can tell the difference from some of the pictures of how different Batman and Robin look from the background characters. In some of these stories. Well, see, there you go. That's a classic comic book
0: conspiracy. Bob Kane. I think, wasn't there another story about Bob Kane that, like, basically, like, Stan Lee or somebody called him out at a comic show to, like, say, why
2: don't you draw Batman for us? And he was just oh, like, yeah. huh. uh, oh.
1: somebody refinishes or wh- whatever you call that.
2: Well, no, it was, it was to the point where Bob Kane was, you know, his artistic skills weren't there anymore. And someone's like, draw this picture of Batman. And uh, Uh. it did not turn out so well. (laughs) (laughs) But he was notorious for using ghosts and using other people and passing that off as his work. And so if you want to dive more into those conspiracies, there's more about that in the comic book legends revealed, and it's all out there online. You want to dig into the online interwebs and find out the who's it's and the what's it's and the why's it's and the how's it's, it's all out there. Oh, yeah. You know, not to go too far
0: into this, but uh, another great one is the whole... Almost a uh, true crime story
2: of what happened with the Pittsburgh Comic Con. That's like what that was on, what Dateline, wasn't that, Chad? Yeah, Dateline or 2021, of those shows. Oh, yeah. If you
0: want some interesting stuff, yeah, take a look and see if you can find the whole story of what happened with the guy that used to run Pittsburgh Comic Con right in our backyard. We are not a true crime podcast. If we were, we'd have a thousand more. <laughs> <numbers>. <laughs> any case we're going to get to the department of truth right after these commercial breaks so stay tuned more comic book related conspiracies coming your way Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD.
2: Do you like comic books? Do you like comic book movies and TV shows? How about movie and TV reviews? If I just described you, good news! You can get all of the movie and TV reviews you're looking for with a good dose of witty banter and fun thrown into the mix by checking out Paperweight Entertainment. Join Derek and Ian every Friday for TV reviews on the Paperweight Entertainment Podcast, and join Ian and Colonel Bob every Wednesday for the Silver Screen Scoundrel movie reviews. Find out more information about both shows at PaperweightEntertainment.com.
0: All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic shop, and it is now time for a read-pile review. Yes, where, in case you got sick of this for the first uh, two seasons of our show, not. It's back for another season, of course. We're going to be reviewing comics. That's our bread and butter. And our jam. And whatever else you want to put on toast. We know what's going to be toast. This book after I'm done with it. Oh, yeah. Listen up, brother. I'm going to get you in that square ring. I'm going to lay the atomic elbow right down on all your Rudy poo
2: candy asses. <laughs> Somebody's a little too excited. Just idle out there, buddy. Let us get to the book. That's right.
0: James Tinian IV. I was a fan of his first book that we reviewed on this show with uh, Something is Killing the Children. I think I actually gave it, what, a 3.95. Let's see if I give anywhere near that kind of rating to this particular book. It is the Department of Truth. Chad,
2: who was involved with this wonderful project? So we are reading the first five issues Of the Department of Truth It was collected in February, March of 2021 And the story title was The End of the World It's written by James Tinian IV Art by Martin Simmons Adina Bidikar on letters Dylan Todd helped out with the designs And edited by Steve Fox And what, uh, what publisher is this out of? This is, is this self-published? Well, there's the Tiny Onion Studios But it came out through Image Comics all right, let's go ahead and get the $0.10 cent synopsis
1: from J.A. Scott. So, J.A., what's the story behind this? So the protagonist is Cole Turner, and he is drawn in initially by these sort of flat-earther conspiracy nuts who take him on a plane to show him the end of the world, the edge of the world, because the world is flat. And when he arrives there, he sees that the world is flat, and then everyone he arrives with is all shot and killed by this government agency that takes him in. This is the aforementioned Department of Truth, and the idea is essentially that conspiracy theories and untruths manifest themselves in the world, and if they become too big and too believed, they become real. So there's this shifting reality where truth and untruth are are, are at battle with each other, and this Department of Truth is a government organization, not unlike the X-Files or something, where their sole purpose is keeping conspiracy theories tacked down, not allowing them to balloon out and become widely accepted in reality because then they will become reality. And then it's always playing on this idea that it, what is truth and, you know, the more people believe something, the more it becomes true. And in this day and age with fake news or the idea of fake news and all this stuff, it's it's very much playing on those concepts and truth. So, you know, you get into a, a greatest hits of conspiracy theories if you're talking like the JFK assassination, the aforementioned flat earth theory. Um, my favorite reptilian shapeshifters it is a race of reptiles that are controlling everybody in the shapeshift. And there's a video apparently of Dick Cheney's eyes blinking the wrong way. So, <laughs> blinking all, all this sideways, stuff. Yeah. Yes, all this stuff. That's essentially what it is in this first five issues. Each issue deals with sort of a major conspiracy theory. So, you've got from JFK assassination to Pizzagate and satanic worship, child cult, baby eating things that came about in the 80s, but then they they show that that was much earlier as well. All of this stuff. I I shall just end my 10 cent synopsis on the director of the Department of Truth is one, Lee Harvey Oswald.
2: Right. Right. Now, Jay, conspiracy theories are oftentimes all about keeping stuff down or the Department of Truth is all about keeping stuff down. So let's let's keep Andy down and, him and not let him talk about this book. What did you think, Jay? What are some of your initial
1: thoughts about the Department of Truth? So it took me a while to get into it. You're introduced to the concept quite early, but then the first couple of issues, it's a little bit static because you don't know where where the book is going. I have to say the cliffhanger at the end of the first trade made me want to read more. So Oh yeah, that gets you. Yeah, that grabbed me. The writing is really good. The dialogue is really good. The art is it's very Bill Sinkevich like, but I also think I, I don't know if this is what the artist was going for, if Simmons was going for this. It's very static. And for, for comic books, that's kind of interesting. So every panel, they don't flow together very well. Right. They seem to be static images imaged in time. And, and so it leads to sort of very start, stop, start, stop as you're going through. And I don't know if that's the best. It, it's it's not an easy book to read. Uh, well, let me jump in before Andy can talk. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Go go into that art You can't silence the truth (laughs) Where's the button? Hit the button Uh, But no, I I thought the the art was a perfect blend Of Bill Sienkiewicz And then David Mack If you've ever read Kabuki Or he's done some of the Daredevil Echo stuff He has that painterly style And the thing I think you're talking about How the panels don't seem to flow They get very close to photorealism They get you very close to reality But then you add that Sienkiewicz layer, you add that MAC layer where it distorts it. And I honestly thought it was the perfect art style for this particular book. And I'll be honest, I I read through the next five or so issues and they had other artists that I really like, like Elsa Chartier and, and Tyler Boss. And their art style is a more like comic book cartoony style. And I don't think it works nearly as well as this one where it gets you close enough to reality, which I'll admit nine times out of 10 for most comic books. I don't want my comic books to be super realistic, but they do that. And then they add that distortion layer and boy I, I think it works and also i have got on record with james tinney in the fourth and talking about how i'm not the biggest james tinney in the fourth guy i've read a lot of his comics his superhero comics and they didn't really speak to me and we did in the show go over something is killing the children and while i thought that was a, a great book it was still something that i didn't really want to continue like it it just wasn't for me this book as a paranoid nutbag. This book was for me because it takes all the stuff that I think is in the popular culture right now. It takes the stuff that's in the, in the zeitgeist. You have all these QAnon folks and all these conspiracy theorists. And then it also takes, going the opposite route, not the conspiracy folks, but the people that are all about the power of positive thinking, you know, and the people that are manifesting stuff. And if you've, ever, if you've heard about The Secret that was the big book at the time, uh, you know, from Oprah, you want something to happen bad enough. If you believe in it, that it will manifest. And this takes that idea and gives it to the nutbag. And it's great and it's scary. And there's so many people out there that want to believe things. And oh, my goodness, there's the the, the takeoff of uh, what's his name? Alex Jones and how he's saying, oh, the the, the school shooters, that's a false flag operation, and the mom is there and she's like maybe I am a crisis actor. Maybe I did take improv classes. And it's like, oh, if those things are are actually reality, if she can manifest that into reality, sure she's a crazy person now.
1: But but then her but then her child can come back. Yeah, her son is alive. Oh, that was Oh, that was sad. That oh. was really sad to me. Yeah, and it's but. just Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's peel back a second because I think Andrew has been mashing on that mute button, not understanding (laughs) why it won't turn on. It's (laughs) a conspiracy to not let him talk.
0: Right. I'm going to start off by saying on the last comic shop, we try not to be negative, right? We are trying to bring everybody into that comic book tent. We're trying to maintain positivity about comic books we understand that people have worked really hard on these things and that they're their creative visions and i try to be very respectful of that right so i am going to start off my initial thoughts by saying to you guys' points it was well written the dialogue was good the art was very interesting at times like the the visuals that were used and the layouts all of that stuff worked. I like the sketchiness of it. I like the unclearness of everything. But let us be crystal clear on this. This is a comic book series that uses the whole notion of a comic book as like almost like a framing mechanism for James Tinian to come out. And I agree with a lot of it's scary stuff. And I'm probably, you know, I'm on his political side. Like, I don't like any of this stuff. and it's scary to me. And like I believe that there are folks. that are are saying these things and and, and they're not right. And I'm like, no, I don't like any of this. But at the same time, I'm not here for James Tinian's therapy sessions about his issues with fake news and these right-wing conspiracies that are out there in the general public. I'm not here for that. I'm here to read a comic and to be entertained. And simply put, I'm glad that J.A. brought up the fact that Lee Harvey Oswald was in this series. I'm actually also glad that he brought up, I, I can't even remember his name, that this was the guy that was brought in from the Flat Earther thing. Because none of those characters mattered. None of them mattered. They were just there as ciphers in order for James Tinian to put his words in their mouths about, like, I have major problems with the way our society is going and the fact that people are taking these conspiracy theories and making them reality and making people believe that they really exist. That's the point that he's trying to make with the series. It's an important point, but to make a comic book series about it, no, even things like mouse, which is extremely important, right? That's has, that has a specific message. Even that was entertaining. At the end of the day, it was entertaining because you had those other stories with Art Spiegelman and his father, their relationship. And at the same time, he was telling the horrible stories about Auschwitz here. There is nothing like that in this book.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I think you're a crazy person.
1: (laughs) To say that uh, all comic books have to be entertaining at first and then they can be other things, I think, is disingenuous and takes away from the fact that. At its heart, it's a storytelling medium. You're telling a story. How you choose to tell that story, whether it be in a blog, or in a book, or in a movie, or in a graphic novel, for someone to say, "Well, no, this is entertaining. This is not. That's problematic." For you to say that you didn't enjoy it, that's that's perfectly fine because everyone has their opinion. Every you know, certain, you can like things, you can not like things.
2: Yeah, and, and to piggyback off of that, and I don't want this to be a piggyback. We're not beating up Andrew, by the way. Oh, no, they <laughs> are. No, I but, uh, but no, I, this is a story about stories and the power of stories. Right? You have all these conspiracy theories that start out as stories and then as they take hold and gain strength, they become real. And you know, the 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 lead character in the opening issue, they take him to the edge of the flat earth and like, look, look what's happening. You know, people are the more people that are buying into this stuff, the more real it's gonna be. But uh what better format to tell a story about stories than comic books where you can have those disturbing visuals like But believe me, this is something that, you know, leaves me with uh, ill at ease. It's not something that I'm excited about or happy about, but boy, is it interesting. And in the times that we live in where the distribution of information is no longer controlled by gatekeepers for good or for bad, you know, the gates are wide open and everybody has their own stakes and what information they want to push their own stakes and what information they want to amplify. And a lot of people are out there manipulating others for, for various means. And that's where so many of these conspiracy uh, ideas take hold. I, I have the exact opposite opinion. I think this is a great comic book series for right now, because it's really tapping into what's going on in the popular culture, you know, and it's showing what's happening with those manipulations and basically it's made real. If enough people believe it, it's real. I go back to Stephen Colbert and his concept of truthiness, his, his first show on Comedy Central, you know, where it's like it doesn't have to necessarily be true, but if it feels true, it's true. So many people feel these things are true, and it's giving that manifestation physical form. And uh, one of the issues we didn't read, there's one on Bigfoot, but they talk about how Bigfoot is blurry just because
1: the manifestation process is a little bit shaky. Oh, no, no, dude. Bigfoot's totally real. (laughs) But I think, Andrew, you also made some good points. There are some issues. I have some issues with the story. There is not a lot of character development. I think one of the big problems tinian has is that he puts up truth and untruth as sort of equal playing fields equal partners and and he's he's done that because he needs that mechanism to drive it it's not unlike chad what you just mentioned uh, before the show about something's killing the children where you know the kids can see the monsters and, and the and the adults can't they're they're different realities for different sectors within the story that works, I think, really well And Something's Killing the Children. Here, it feels a little bit more false. And from a personal level, I have a, a sort of an issue with where, you know, the truth and the untruth are not equal, right? Uh, there should be more power in the truth, regardless of if Stanley Kubrick's producing the untruth or not.
2: <laughs> yeah, but
1: that's that's the scariest part
2: is when the truth and untruth are on equal footing. And like I said, I'll freely admit that sometimes I'm a paranoid nutbag. I believe that's where society is right now, where truth and untruth are existing on an equal plane for so many people out there. And it's like, how do you convince them when it's stuff, oh, I've seen it with my own eyes or, oh, I've done my own research. It's like, yeah, you've done your own research into Crazy Town Monthly. (laughs) Well, I'm
0: going to jump back in. Uh, In terms of, you know, my comment about it not being a comic book series, I don't want to sound like. I'm saying James Tinney and the fourth can't write the types of series that he wants or that. And maybe it does come down to the fact that I, this is not something I like, but, but I think that the reason why I like something is killing the children more is because he has managed to weave his particular opinions on, you know, certain things that are going on in society. Again, whether or not you can see the monsters or not, whether or not that truth about the monsters existing He was able to weave that into a compelling story that not only was able to give you things to think about, but then also things that ended up just being, again, I hate to say it, entertaining. And I'm sorry, like, I I keep on coming back to this. This was not entertaining. And maybe that's my biggest problem with it. And I get it that, like, not everything should be entertaining, but it kind of sort of should be. I'm at the age in which everything should be kind of at least slightly entertaining from a narrative perspective. This is more akin to maybe a documentary in which he uses the, these characters, again, as ciphers to tell an anthology of, hey, you want to hear the truth about some of these nutbag conspiracies? Let's do the false flags in this one. Let's do the JFK assassination in this one. Let's do flat earthers in this one. We'll explain what the conspiracy is. We'll explain how far it could go, what the ramifications could be, if that was the truth, what the real-time uh, effects on individuals were. I mean, again, that issue with the false flag and the the, the child shootings, that was incredibly powerful. But again, I had a massive, massive problem with the any sort of inclusion of characterization in this. Like, who cares? Who cares about what the Department of Truth is? Who cares who works for them? Who cares that there's one agent that's been there forever and is just killing people? Who cares that there's this other guy that's like the believer or the, the non-believer that's being brought into... Th- All of those characters... They're, they're not
2: even characters. Something is Killing the Children had characters. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. You've got Cole Turner as your audience in. He's the guy who was part of the Satanic Panic in the 80s for his character, where he saw the star-faced man eating the babies and inviting him to, you know, try a taste and all that. And so you have this guy who's obviously been uh, impacted and manipulated, and you're watching him as the audience surrogate, and they're taking ideas of, like, Cool or intriguing. Like they put Lee Harvey Oswald as the guy in charge of the Department of Truth. And so I think, just like in Something Is Killing the Children, you had Erica Slaughter, who's not a character as much as she's just a, a force of nature with ratty ass chainsaws. But I think it's the same thing here with this group. Almost like on the Loki show, how the, the Time Variance Authority, they're there to to nip these ideas in the bud before they grow and things spring too far off the timeline and start affecting reality itself. And you have the lady in red that they're trying to figure out who she is, and she has those X's for eyes. And, oh, that's so creepy. Takes off her big sunglasses. I love big sunglasses. And X's for eyes under those sunglasses just freaked me the hell out.
1: Those, those big sunglasses are Jackie Onassis' sunglasses. Oh,
2: yeah. I... I Firmly
0: disagree that there aren't characters here. No, 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 no. I'm not going to. In fact, the, the, the character you remember the most is actually just Lee Harvey Oswald. And he isn't even really a character. What do you know about Lee Harvey Oswald other than the fact that he killed Kennedy? No,
1: no, wait, 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 but this is. But, but in this one, is it the one that killed Kennedy? Or is it the one that got shot by Ruby? I, I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. I or the that. guy that's taken into the oh. other room and they're like, we're going to
2: tell people that you did this. And, and we're going to whisk you away. How do you know the files haven't been released? Why haven't the files been released? It's been (laughs) so many years. Release those
0: files! Any case, we'll be right back after these commercial breaks with more of The Last Comic Shop. Hopefully I won't sound like a conspiracy nutbag myself when we get to those ratings. Stay tuned. Do your hobbies include comic books, movies, television, and or video games? Are you always behind with the latest news in the world of nerd? We'll look no further than the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. Oh, right, Scott. Hosted by Chris Hacker and Aaron Knowles, the Oblivion Bar offers a weekly review of all the latest breaking news, in-depth discussions far beyond whether Han shot first, and newsletter section where you, the listener, send in your questions to be answered live on the show. New episodes every Monday, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts.
1: I'm just so freaking.
0: You can also find us on Twitter at Oblivion Bar Pod. Come join us at the Oblivion Bar Podcast. Hope to see you there.
2: Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation?
1: The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram.
2: Me, Hassan. And me, Levi.
1: Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy.
0: All right, we're back with more of the last comic shop, and it is now time for our ratings, where we're going to lay on some truth on you. Lay some truth on you, brother. It's going to be the truth of whether or not you should go pick up this book at your local comic book shop, which I do agree that you should. James Tinian does make you think, uh, which is good for comic books. Honestly, uh, if you felt like our conversation in the previous segment was a little spirited, that's sometimes good and so yeah we've got a one out of four scale and then ja what are we going to be talking about in regards to that scale this week
1: well this book is all about truths and falsehoods so obviously our one out of four will be one out of four true lies mm.
2: oh that's a great movie it's it a is. great movie with arnold and uh what's her name from uh, halloween jamie lee curtis jamie lee curtis There you go. oh yeah she's She was smoking hot in that movie. I
0: remember that as like a teenager being like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Plus, it's got Tom Arnold in like my favorite movie starring Tom Arnold, which is is hard to say because there's not many.
1: I was going to say, how many other movies? And everyone's favorite Filipino, Chinese, American, Hawaiian actress, Tia Carrera. Yeah, you're fired. (laughs) Anyways,
0: one thing is not going to be fired is our rating. We're going to make a rating sandwich. We'll start off with J.A. Scott for this one. So, J.A., what did you think of this?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give it a it's, – it's a three for me. Um, I like the ideas. It's not the easiest to read. The art is interesting, but I think it's a little bit too static, and it doesn't flow from panel to panel. Not page to page, panel to panel. It, it very much feels like you're, you're stuck in the moment, and then you have to pull yourself out and then go back into the next moment. So the art design, and it's obviously been done for a reason – I feel that it draws you out of the story a bit. He's playing with big ideas. The idea that fancy or untruths can manifest themselves and become reality. I think it's a bit of a discredit to like reality and truth that, that fantasy became that much more powerful than that. Um I love that he's trying it with a medium where you wouldn't really. I mean, this you know you could read this in a book or in a in, in a, a book of philosophy or see it in some French new wave movie, and everyone would accept it. But to see it in a graphic form in a comic book, I mean, obviously based on our discussion, it's a little bit jarring. I applaud him for trying. I don't know if he quite got there. That being said, by the end of this trade, I wanted to read more. So it had hooked me, but it did take a while and it wasn't an easy read. So it's a three. All right.
0: Well, I'll go second and uh, I'll start off by saying this. This wasn't for me. I'm going to give it like a 1.75 as a a comic book series just because I didn't like it at all. I'm sure that for folks that did like it, this is probably a three, and this is a four, because I will say again, it's incredibly well written. Like, I want to go on record by saying all of the explanation of some of these, whether it was Pizzagate or False Flags or any of the other conspiracy theories that uh, James Tinian talks about, he does a very good job of laying them out, making you understand the stakes of them, Maybe making you understand what could potentially happen if people started really believing this. But like, I, again, I I I can't get away from the fact that I thought the entire series was just a framing mechanism for him to do that. And and I know that that seems weird because everything's a framing mechanism. But I really thought like that. I was like, really, like the idea is like that these things can come alive and change reality in more than just. A, symbolic way but in a real way yeah that's kind of hard to swallow i guess reality does work like that because again the winners write the history books but um yeah i i, I just i don't know about that and uh I, I again i i didn't care about any of the characters at the end and it's not something i'm going to continue to read even though it was very interesting at times i learned a lot Some things I didn't really want to learn because, like, again, it scares me. But at the same time, like, I would much rather read any day uh, Something is Killing the Children because I I think that got great characters. It's a story that keeps building from issue to issue. And, um, yeah, it's just not Tinian
2: just talking about what bothers him. Chad. Okay, so yeah, I think this spoke to me uh, more so than it did for you guys. I think just the way society is going, this definitely touches on the cultural vein of whatever's in the air right now. And as somebody who's a believer in stories... For somebody that buys into the idea of positive thinking and like, hey, if you think positive about stuff that can help, you know, manifest these things like these are ideas. I know they're a little bit crazy, but I buy into them. And for somebody to take those ideas and twist them for evil purposes and twist them in ways that I see them being twisted in society right now, like who dog, it just really, really did speak to me on this one. Now, is it perfect? No, I can definitely see J.A.'s critique that, the, uh, that it's, it's static with that art style. Although, I'll be honest, I thought that was more of a feature than a bug. Um, and I can even see Andy's critique, too, about some of the characterizations. And I think, similar to Something is Killing the Children, I don't think the first trade is a whole meal. I think they just uh, give you little bits of things. And honestly, the thing that's reminded me the most of was actually a novel. I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, the Da Vinci Code, Dan, Dan Brown's novel where it's the Illuminati and there are all these secret symbols hidden everywhere. And if you can find them, you can unlock these meanings. And like that was the, the biggest book for about two or three years. I I thought that aspect of it is neat. Uh, That aspect of it is interesting. I also agree with Andy that that aspect of it is dangerous. And if you're not careful with stuff like this, you can have people that believe some of these ideas that are like, no, here it is. Here's pictures. Here's proof. Here's this. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's dangerous for sure. So I don't know. I don't think it's perfect, so I'm not going to go with the full four. I was more interested to to carry on, like I said, or read the next couple of issues. And I don't think the series works even whenever they brought in uh, fill-in artists, even if they were artists that I liked and whose work I admire. I, I didn't think the concept worked as well as it did with the creative team. So I'm going to go 3.75 for the Department of Truth. I think it's well done. I think it's dangerous ideas. I think it's worth checking out. And if you're into exploring these crazy ideas that are out there in the zeitgeist, like it's going to give you stuff to think about and probably keep you up at night for a little while. Yeah. As a postscript to that, I think that maybe I would have rather this
0: series been something more akin to like understanding comic books by Scott McCloud or uh, comic book history of comics, where it's just like, Panel by panel, like an explanation of some of these conspiracy theories. Maybe just somebody pointing at a blackboard and being like, These are the things. These are the tenants.
2: Yeah, you get that mixed in with the story, with the lady with
0: the X's on. Oh, it's so sweet. Excise. Excise. All right. Well, one thing we don't want to excise is our recommendations. So these are some other comic books that you can look pick up at your local comic book shop today, in addition to the Department of Truth. Again, as much as I said some things that this wasn't for me, I still think you should pick it up. I still think it's it's going to create a, a meaningful conversation with some of your good friends, like we did on today's show. So we're going to go ahead and
1: start off with Jay.
0: Hey, what do you have for us for recommendations this week?
1: So I went into this recommendation thinking conspiratorially, something that's sort of in a similar vein, looking for something that, oh, I've seen the parallax view what else can I watch? Give me a three days of the condor type book. And so I am recommending a graphic novel that came out in 2011 called The Homeland Directive. 2011. I I need to stress that it came out in 2011 by Robert Venditti as the writer and Mike Huddleston was the artist. And this is A thriller slash medical political intrigue book. Essentially, the head of the National Center for Infectious Diseases, Laura Regan, she's the protagonist. She's the foremost authority in viral and bacteriological plagues. Her partner is murdered, and she's framed for the murder. So the government's coming after her. She has to go on the lam. She's aided by three rogue Federal agents that know that it's the government is trying to throw her in Hawk. So she's got to evade law enforcement. She teams up with these detectives to go through the Internet and try to figure out sort of uh, expose this plot that is trying to infect all of America. Uh, It's sort of like this is the prequel to V for Vendetta, but taking place in America so the end point is where everyone gets infected with the plague from v for vendetta in the movie not 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 the book
0: okay all right
2: well chad what do you got for us uh for your recommendation okay it's it's not plagues in this one the, i wanted to get something that's similar to department of truth was thought-provoking and talks about how some of the stories and how some of the things we tell ourselves can affect our perception And so uh, I'm going to go with Dave McKeon's Cages. Now, this is a book. It came out in the 90s. It was a 10-issue series, but you can get it all collected. in a handsome little, I have the paperback edition. It came out of Dark Horse around 2010. But it's just, it's stories of people in an apartment complex. And if you're familiar with Dave McKeon's art at all, uh, you might know him from Sandman or working with Neil Gaiman. In that sort of realm, he has one of those art styles where the art inside is not not painted like a lot of his other covers or a lot of his other things that you've seen, say like Arkham Asylum or that sort of stuff. But it is one of those things where it just it messes with your your perception. And I struggle with words on this one because it is such an artistic tour de force. This one it won Harvey's, it won Ignace's, it won all all the awards. But it's absolutely just brilliant. Uh, just check it out. My words aren't going to do it justice. So Cages <laughs> by Dave McKeon.
0: All right. And to round out our recommendations, uh, mine is it doesn't really have to do with anything with conspiracies. I mean, I guess it does because it deals with, like, mysteries from the long past. And all I can say is everybody on the show should know that I really love throwbacks to, like, the 1930s and the 1940s, that kind of pulp era of comic books and and narratives and so when i found this recent series from tko publishing called the fearsome dr fang that had wonderful artwork that looked again very throwback to that kind of pulpy days i had to check it out and uh it's written by uh chun this was his first comic book that he ever did he was previously a uh Writer and producer on such things as uh, Gotham and Once Upon a Time. And he teams with Mike Weiss uh, on writing duties, as well as uh, Dan McDade as the uh, artist. And uh, they really craft a story about what would happen if you kind of turned the whole Fu Chu bad guy trope on its head. The fearsome Dr. Fang is looked up as the as the enemy of the entire world. But honestly, he was actually just uh, the smartest guy and was using the whole notion of him being the bad guy, kind of like the Green Hornet, in that he was trying to take down other bad guys by putting up this false facade that he was, in fact, this evil uh, world conqueror. And uh, fearsome Dr. Fang makes uh, friends with... Uh, some plucky uh, treasure hunter and uh, a rough and tumble former cop, and they go around in a globetrotting adventure to take down this seriously bad guy that's trying to collect this uh, doomsday weapon. So it's all got all those classic uh, pulpy tropes to it. But again, I, I think the best thing about it is it, it kind of turns a lot of those tropes on its head. And I can very honestly say this was probably one of the best. The Shadow stories. Like, you know how I'm a big fan of the Shadow as a character? I think that sincerely, this was a great Shadow series. It was just called Fearsome Dr. Fang because there's a lot of the same things. Like, again, the Shadow's got agents and the Fearsome Dr. Fang has agents. And I just think it's a wonderful story. And it's one that's probably not a lot of people have heard of. So if you want a throwback, to some of those really great pulpy stories from the 1930s and 40s, pick up the Fearsome Dr. Fang. I, I feel you'll be entertained with good characters that you can get behind. <laughs> so, any case, uh, some characters that we hope that you come back to every single week is the three of us, The Last Comic Shop. We're going to be here for a whole other season so make sure that you're rate reviewing and subscribing over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com it's a terrific place where you can find all the links to all those wonderful podcasting platforms that you can subscribe to at your leisure at your preference and make sure that you never miss another one of our comic book reviews in future
2: And you can find us on the socials, traditionally, at Last Comic Shop, including on YouTube. So don't forget to check out those videos or recordings of our episodes that we're posting out there. And if you need help finding us, once again, you can always go back to the home base at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, where they can find
1: What Else, J.A.? Yes, we're back for another season with merch. We always have t-shirts, coffee mugs, tote bags. We might have a new special shirt coming out for St. Paddy's Day never know stay tuned i'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it probably looks good on a green heather
0: (laughs) (laughs) see it's always good to start thinking of spring when you're in the depths of the cold winter right let's start thinking about march and and getting back out there in the warm temperatures so yeah no i dig it
2: and uh our hope springs eternal that you will head out to your local comic shop to find some great comic books including things like the department of truth that we read today or the homeland directive maybe you want to go with some cages by dave mckean or the fearsome dr fang don't know where your local comic shop is you can always use the locator at www.comicshoplocator.com but check it out and keep those places going in this new year for our new season so we still have more stuff to talk about
0: yes and we hope that you come back for that new talk next week until then i was the host with most andy larson i was joined by chad smith and J. A. scott and remember to stay safe stay warm and always be a bearer of truth
2: <laughs> RELEASE uh, THE FILES! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and let's just point out, there's no way the moon landings were faked by Stanley Cooper because it would have looked a lot better! Have you seen 2001? <laughs> Here's Johnny! The Last Comic Shop was a 2023 Black Angus production.